Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode. Today on the podcast, we have Jennifer Gallagher, and she has such an amazing story and shows that entrepreneurship isn't always peaches and rainbows and sunshine. And she is really open and vulnerable about all of her all of her journey and everything that has happened um, over the last few years. She is the owner and founder of the apparel company Hollow and Plank, and you're going to learn all about that, how it came to fruition, and all of the things that happened in and around the development and after and where she is now. So I can't wait for you to hear this episode. One thing that I took from this episode is is persistence. And, and you're going to hear that at the end, but she is one of the most persistent, resilient people, um, that I have ever spoke to. She did not allow all of the things that had happened to stop her from pursuing her dreams. So I think this is a good one that you're going to really enjoy hearing her story. So settle in and I will see you inside. I'm Mindy Hancock, mindset and life coach, and you're listening to the bold ambition podcast. This podcast is a high-vibe, expansive space for the bold, ambitious, badass, whatever-it-takes woman. Settle in. Let's do this thing. Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode. I am so excited today because we have Jennifer Gallagher on the podcast. First of all, welcome, Jennifer. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yes, I'm so excited for you to be here. So for those of you who do not know, Jennifer is a, an amazing woman who left her corporate six-figure earning job in 2015 to create a clothing line with zero industry knowledge and zero contacts at the time. She is also the host of the Conscious State of Mind podcast. So welcome, welcome. Thanks again. I'm so great to, so great to be here. Yes. So first and foremost, I just want to um, give the listeners a background of who you are, um, where, you, you know, how you went from ending or leaving your corporate job, starting your your clothing line. And I know that you have a lot of other things cu- coming up in the works. And over the last four years, a lot of ch- a lot has changed and shifted and evolved. And I want to dive into all of that, but just kind of give us a background of who you are um, and what has led you to this point. Okay. So I um, started the journey in 2015, but when I, when I finished college, I went to University of South Carolina and got a degree in marketing with a minor in fashion merchandising. And when I went to school, I really started by just wanting to make a lot of money. That was like my ulterior motive. I just did, I wasn't into the personal development world quite yet. And I just wanted to be really successful. And so I grew up in a, like a lower middle class family, I would say. I mean, we did, we had, you know, we went on one vacation a year, uh, didn't really have the best money mindset and all of that. So I just knew I wanted more for myself. And so, um, when I started, you know, when I had a pick a major. The first year I was undecided. I had no idea like what I was going to be doing. And then I just said, okay, marketing. Cause my aunt was in sales and I was like, I'm going to do something with sales. And, um, cause I saw her be really successful at it. So I did that. And really the minor in fashion merchandising was just because I had this love for fashion and I never really went to, you know, I never went to fashion school or anything like that. But ever since I was a little girl, like I just always loved fashion. And so I started with, um, working at this, uh, one job that was 
was like an inside sales job and I was miserable. It was like, you know, I did really well. I got in there with, you know, most of the people were 10 years older than me. So I was really good at interviewing and getting the jobs. But I, it was actually also at 2009 when I, when I graduated. So it was like the time where the recession was in the middle of everything. So I was very fortunate to get something. And it wasn't easy. It took, you know, some time and a lot of follow-ups. But when I got that job, I was just like, I started to find myself on Fridays. Or I'm sorry, on Mondays, I would be wait, wishing it was Friday. And on Friday and Sundays, I couldn't wait. I was upset that it was going to be Monday. So I, I was in this like vicious cycle. And so I would... I went to go get another job hoping that it would, I'm actually, that was in Tennessee. And then I moved to South Florida with my now husband and, you know, it was like job to job. And it was a running thing where people were like, my family was like, are you ever going to find something that you're happy with? And I said, when I work for myself, I always knew that I was going to, I was meant to start my own thing, you know, yeah. if that makes sense. So I just, I got to a point where my last corporate job right before I started Halloween Plank, I was making six figures, but I was an outside sales rep, which was a little bit better because I didn't have to be in a cubicle all the time, but I still was really unhappy. I, you know, I did really well. I went to one of the top, I was one of the top sales reps and then I found out how they were fulfilling their end of the deal with marketing. It was in advertising and marketing and they weren't doing these people what they said they were going to do. And that's where my sales dropped. And I knew I was going to be a small business owner one day. And when I'm working with these people and they're screwing them over, I just, I couldn't like ethically do it anymore. And so it got to a point where I made this really big sale. And that was kind of like the turning point where I was going to make like over time. Cause it was like, they paid you in dividends. I was going to probably make like a commission of around $30,000 and I worked my butt off to get the sale. And then they didn't fulfill the way they did. And then they took part of my commission back and I was just getting base, which was very low. And I got to the point where I was like, you know, I've been, t I had been talking about starting something for a couple of years, starting a clothing brand. And I just set a date and I did it. So, um, I just knew that when I put in my two weeks, it was the last day because I didn't do two weeks there. I knew how they ran things. So I had that planned accordingly. So when I went in, it was, you know, I remember this is a little quick, funny story. I had a blazer and I, underneath that I had this shirt I bought said out of office <laughs> and <laughs> It was so funny. And everybody was like kind of thinking that I was going to leave because my mind was kind of getting out of it. But I was responsible about it because I was cleaning up all my accounts, doing all my folders, making it sure that it would be seamless for the next person that went into my position. Cause I didn't want to, you know, I knew it's a lot of work. And yeah. so I like when I, that day they, they were like, something's up and I opened my, my blazer and showed my coworkers and they were like, Oh my gosh, you're leaving. And so many people, the one thing that I like to share is that so many people were like, just envious of me just taking that leap and leaving. And that made me really kind of sad because I had some people come up to me and say, I wish I had the guts to do what you're doing like 10 years ago. Ugh. And when you think that I was like, well, why can't you do it now? You're still young. But mm -hmm. these people think that, you know, their time is up or they have a family and they can't do stuff, but that's not the case. You can do it whenever, you know, not everybody's time is the same time. So when I left, I started Palo and Plank and I had, like you said, zero industry knowledge, zero contacts. I just knew I wanted to do this. So it's kind of one of those things where I said, all right, I'm going to figure it out. So um, do you want me to kind of talk about how I started or do you want to Palo yeah, and Plank? Yeah, I would love to hear. And I think that's, I love how we can dive back into like, how you took the leap and all that kind of stuff. And I would love to hear more on that, but I would love to just hear about Halloween Plank and how you, you know, 
how, how this, this vision came to life and what was the process behind it? Sure. So, okay. I had, I didn't even know how to sign up for like a business, like, you know, on the state, I was living in Florida at the time. Now I live in Arizona, but I had no idea how to do any of it. But my, my job before was very high stress. And to the point where there were days where I just wanted to like throw my phone and laptop out the window. So I would get texts at like 6am. What does your day look like? You know, it was just like, you make a big sale the next day. What have you done for me lately? Kind of thing. And so I knew I needed to like get that away. So I didn't really do anything to plan before. And I know that's not for everybody, but for me, I knew I needed to take that safety net away from me and I needed to have a clean slate. So I did save money um, and I had some money in my 401k, which originally I didn't plan on pulling out, but I had to. So I had about 10,000 saved when I left and I thought that was enough to get started. And if I knew what I knew now, then I know everybody says that kind of stuff. It could have been enough to get started, but I made a lot of expensive mistakes. So it wasn't enough to get started when I had no knowledge, no industry knowledge or anything like that. So once I figured out how to do all like this, the, you know, not so fun paperwork stuff, I went to New York and I have a cousin that lives in Manhattan. And so I went to New York and I started working with the pattern and sample maker that I found online. And so, um, it was like a really kind of surreal moment for me. And that was like when I, that was the beginning of it all. So I had just started work. Um, I had never been on a subway by myself. Like I had never, like there was a lot of things where I had this theme song. It's, it's by M- Empire, the show, which I never watched, but like somebody told me about the song Conquer. And that was my theme song. Have you heard it? I think I have. Yes. I yeah, know so- what show you're talking about too. And I tried to get into it and I never, ever watched it. So yeah, no, I never watched it, but the song was so good. It's about like, I'd rather stand tall than live on my knees. Like I'm going to, I'm going to do this kind of thing. And so I put my headphones in, I got off that subway and I like just was like, all right, let's do this. You know, this is the beginning of the rest of my life. And at that point I thought that, Hey, like this is what I'm going to do forever. I wasn't really in, you know, I'll, I'll step back for a quick second. The one thing that made me like give me the extra push to start the whole entrepreneur thing was these CDs that I forgot to mention. It's called Your Wish is Your Command. And you can find them on YouTube. It's by Kevin Trudeau. But a coworker had given me these CDs to listen to. And that is like the beginning of my personal development journey that made me realize that I can do this. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I'm glad you touched on that. Definitely. Yeah. So I definitely, there's about 12 CDs, but I say CDs because they were literally given to me in CDs and then I gave them back to her, but you can find them on YouTube for free. Yeah. And so like, honestly, that was, that was just the turning point for me. And so kind of fast forward, I go there and in New York, you know, everyone wears tennis shoes. So I was scared to like meet this like fashion lady in the fashion district. So I put on, um, I had like heels in my, in my purse. It was freezing cold. It was like February. I wore a skirt with like tights, freezing my butt off, walked there from my cousin's apartment. And, um, and then I put the heels on right outside the door. And I remember like my heart was like pounding (laughs) as I like pressed the elevator to go up and I go in there and I had no idea, like, what I was, what I was talking about. She starts talking all this lingo and I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, I don't know. I just have this vision and my vision originally. And this is a big thing for people that a big takeaway for people wanting to start something that I would suggest is start small. Mm-hmm. Don't try to overcomplicate it. I had the intuition gut feeling to start with like two or three pieces, two or three leggings. But when I went to New York, I got over-inspired, ended up with 12 samples, none of which I used, and $3,000 that I just basically tossed out the window in a matter of 48 hours. 
So, you yeah, know, an expensive 48 hours. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, well, I, I, we put everything together and then I had to come back the next month and look at everything. So that was like, that was the beginning of everything. You know, when I walked into the fabric stores in New York, I had no idea what I was doing. I almost walked out at one point because I saw this fabric and I'm like, what am I here for? Like almost like that imposter syndrome. Like, am I good enough? Am I, am I really going to be able to do this? Like, what have I got myself into? You know, I like clothes, but I didn't know it involved all of this. And so I just had to like dive deep into just asking them a bunch of questions. And the couple days that I was there, the people knew me by first name <laughs> at the fabric stores because I would just ask them like, what's this? Tell me about this, this. And that's really how I learned. Yeah. Wow. So, okay. So that is, first of all, I wanted to to ask you, I want to back up just a little bit, and then I want to dive a little bit more into the story of the clothing line. But I wanted to back up to, like, whenever you knew that you were wanting to just, you knew in your gut that this, that you were not meant to stay at this place, you started to feel that it was time for a change. And you wanted to take that leap and you wanted to just take some messy action and just jump. What did that look like? How did it feel? Um, was there a conversation between you, you and your husband? Like, how did all of that go down? Um, because I know too, a lot of times, like when you're married, it, it's not just you. There, you know, you have to have consider everyone involved. And um, but, like, what was the thought process behind it? And how how did how was his support in the in the in the process of you taking this leap and just going out on your own? So yeah, so he was very supportive from when I told him I wanted to do it because he knew that I, like I've always been just this very ambitious person and wanting to, never been a great employee, I guess you can say, you know? And so I would always say like, I wanna do, the, I wanna do this, I wanna do that. And I would talk about it, but I knew it was time to just take action. And so when I lost that big sale and he knew how hard I worked for it and I, that, was the, that was like the drawing point. I remember at one point I was, cause I had had set the date, we, we had a discussion and we set a date and it was like a couple months out. So I did plan, I didn't just like go cold turkey as much as I really wanted to. Um, I had a couple months planned out and I had been putting money to the side, but um, he just, you know, was like, if this is what you want to do, I support you. And so, but at one point I remember being in a, like uh, one of my, one of the, my, I guess it was one of my managers, we were at a coffee shop and he was great. I, I loved working with him, but I was just like, so checked out and I knew I was leaving. And I remember like him trying to like work this sale with me and I just didn't want to be there. And I, I, had, I told him I had to step out for a second. I remember calling my husband saying, I just want to quit right now. Like I really just want to quit right now. Yeah. And, um, but you know, he said, I support that if you do that. But then I realized, no, let's just stick to the plan. So for me, we just like worked out a couple months and then I decided, all right, this is what I'm doing. Um, and you know, it was, listen, I would be lying if I would say it was, it's been easy and it, like some great like rainbows and butterflies the whole time. We mm -hmm. almost, you know, last year we almost lost our home because of the sake of my husband losing his job. And then like, I'm, you know, my business was money in, money out and we had to sell our home. Otherwise it was going to, we were going to lose it. So it's been a lot of ups and downs. However, I wouldn't have it any other way. We just kind of, you know, some people, I know that you have some people on your podcast that are doing a side hustle and then some people are going full in and it's, you know, there's different ways you could go about it. I could turn around and say, yeah, maybe I should have started on the side. But for me, I knew that wasn't right. It was like that intuition gut feeling. Mm -hmm. And I also knew that I just, you know, I had like, as far as other family, my family thought I was insane, crazy. 
Right. So, like, my parents are like, what are you doing? You have a good job. Like, and my dad was always like, my dad was always telling me in the beginning, like, um, you should work your way up the corporate ladder. You're a smart girl. I know you can do this. And I, I'm like, I know I'm smart, but I am not a yes person. If I don't believe in it, I can't do that. Yeah. And even to this day, like it's been an uphill battle, like just kind of getting them, you know, I think my dad starts to see, he has this moments where he like worries, like in those valley moments as opposed to the peak moments. But, yeah. you know, I think at the end of the day, like I have to say, they just want what's best, but they think what's best is in their mind. And I had to have a talk with my dad recently where I said, I know you think you know what's best, but I just ask that you support what I feel in my heart and what I know is best for me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that goes with, I think we've all been through that a little bit. And, and when, especially whenever you're kind of stepping out and doing something different, doing something that um, is new and it's a big change and um, it, it, every, there are going to people that are not going to, there are people who are not going to understand what you're doing. And mm -hmm. a lot of times that is your family. And, and just like you said, parents, they just want to make sure that um, well, they're your parents. They want to keep you safe and they want you to, they want what's best for you and they want you to be happy, but and they don't want you to struggle. A lot of times that's what it, you know, that's what it comes down to. Exactly. Um, and so I totally understand what you're saying there. And I, and I love that your husband was supportive. He was right there with you, um, throughout the journey and having a, a supportive spouse is like, something that it, it, it helps everything, obviously, totally. because if he wasn't on board, it would be harder for you to make the, make the plunge on your own without having someone on board. So mm -hmm. totally get it. I totally understand there. And I want to go back now to, so you, you went in and you're, you're going all in on this um, clothing company and then how, what happened, what has happened over these past, you know, since you've started the company um, and then like, where is it? At, where is it now? And how is how have things changed and shifted for you? And um, just kind of go go down the route of what is what has transpired over these years for the clothing company. Okay, so when I started, I started with the the pattern and sample maker in New York City, and mm -hmm. then I realized when I got my samples, like none of them matched. They looked horrible. Like I didn't know what I was doing. I just got fabric that I thought felt good and I just went with it. And I remember right. when she put like everything out on the rack, like her, she was, her intern was like nice to me and she's like, Oh, this lo it looks really good. And she's like, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> and, I, and I remember like wanting to like crawl in a hole and I was like, what have I got myself into? But at that point when I found out, like I didn't like these pieces, I mean, the manufacturing prices were not going to be doable. So I had to find another manufacturer. So I lived in South Florida and I knew that there was some manufacturing opportunities in Miami, which is like an hour South of me. And so I just went on Google. Like I think a lot of people get hung up on like these contacts, but when you're kind of up against the wall, you just have to figure it out. Like I did my own yeah. trademark. I did all of these different things. I just had to teach myself them. And um, cause I didn't budget for the trademark. The one thing I did budget is to have my website done and a couple of other things to pay for. And right. so, um, I, uh, cause I knew that was like my sore front. So I found a, uh, a friend manufacturer in Florida worked with him. He was actually like a middleman and he was great because I got contacts through him and I learned, but then there was a time where I had some defective pieces. So I kind of went through a lot of different, I actually went through four manufacturers to kind of speed it up, went through four manufacturers within the last couple of years. And it's very normal, like, because a lot of people make big promises and then they either don't deliver on time or this and that. Like I had to learn to tell people it was 
I pushed it a month out so that I could deliver sooner than later because otherwise it's very stressful. Mm -hmm. And so one of the big things that I made a mistake with was that I manufactured pieces before I sold them and a good percentage of them. And so I just thought I'll put them on my website, they'll sell. And that wasn't the case. So I had to get creative and I started doing trunk shows to support this and push this inventory. And so at one point, so I, I quit my job in January, 2015. I launched September, 2015. So eight months, which a lot of people, I thought it was going to be like a month or two, but a lot of people say in the industry without having contacts, like that's quick. And so, which it seemed like forever, but it's, yeah. it's apparently pretty quick. And so when I launched, you know, I didn't, I didn't sell as much as I thought I was going to be from the beginning. So I had to just do all the, I contacted studios and went and did like pop-up shops. In December, I did that first year, I did like 22 in one month, wow. which I mean, I ended up selling a good amount. I sold like over 10,000, but I mean, that was 22 trunk shows. And there were events that I just kind of, a lot of them I created myself. So it'd be like a studio pop-up, maybe sell a couple hundred dollars, then go to another studio. And that's how I pushed the inventory. That was great. I love connecting with people, but I got to a point where I was like, I don't want to be this pop-up shop person forever. Like right. this is exhausting. And so, you know, I got, I just, I got to a pivotal moment when we almost lost our home last year. And I realized that I put so much money into this and I'm okay with taking risks, obviously, right. but I, I kind of took on the, not the most smart risk, but when you're in so much and you kind of have to be able to you know, make it work to the next push. I just took out as many credit cards as I possibly could. That was like a funding for me and got myself in a good bit of debt. Um, when my husband lost his job, he ended up a couple months later going over. This is part of the reason why we're over on the other side of the country right now, but he went to Napa to work a harvest cause he's wanting to get into the wine industry. And so, um, in that time, we were trying to get bills caught back up. He would send, he would like, he was like paying, you know, so we had to keep the lights on. Like we were like a day from keeping the lights, getting the lights turned off, a day from getting the water cut off. Um, I'll tell you that there was a time where we were in the uh, grocery store, literally adding things up in our, in our like little, um, you know, hand, uh, whatever it's called, the little crate thing. Not, I can't yeah. think of the name, the basket. The basket. The basket. Yeah. And uh, just to make sure that we would have the money to be able to like pay. And, um, and so, and I hit this point where Michael was like, you know, sending us everything extra minus what we paid. And I was using it on fabric and I was literally like going to bed hungry or eating pasta. And I got to this point where the rock bottom, rock bottom point, I would say was I had this live sale event because I had done some live sales and I had been really good at it. And so I was doing it with this girl that was an influencer and I thought, okay, this is going to help me get some money here. You know, we were giving a portion back to a charity and, um, and I didn't have enough gas. I didn't have gas to get like to the place. And I had to ask my aunt because like if my husband, I was like, if my husband knows that I'm like spending all this money on all this stuff. He's going to freak later. Obviously now he knows. But, um, so I had to ask my aunt for gas money. It was like the most like low of the low. She didn't know. She's like, I'm like, I just need like $5. I didn't even have freaking $5 to my name. Nothing. Like I couldn't even scratch up the change. It was gone. And so I remember going to that event and we did that. We did it like at, um, just, at this like gym she worked at and we did a live thing. There was nobody there. It was just on like social media mm -hmm. and I didn't sell anything. I didn't sell anything and that never happened. So I cried the whole way home 
And I just like started to question everything. And I was like, what am I doing with my life? Like, I don't even have gas money. And I just drove down here, you know. And so that, I feel like that was like the beginning of the pivotal moment. So we ended up moving a year ago to Scottsdale, Arizona. And if you asked me like a little over a year ago, if I'd be like contemplating like evolving and moving on from the clothing brand, I would tell you like, no way, this is my baby, whatever, I'm going to push through, I don't care. But I had to kind of just really think, do I want to do this forever? Do I want to, you know, and that's the point I think a lot of people kind of, I I didn't want to look like a quitter. I didn't want to look like I was giving up. But I knew that I needed to do something different. A lot of people don't talk about other businesses that they do along the way that may have been failed businesses. I don't really like to use the word failure, but learning lessons along the way that evolve you to get you to where you are. And if I wasn't having all this experience over the last four years, I wouldn't be going in the direction I am now, if that makes sense. No, it makes perfect sense. Perfect sense. So, oh, wow. That, I mean, that is definitely a journey and lots of ups and downs and things that, you know, you didn't think that you would ever have to, to go through and, having that pivotal moment of like, is this what I want? Is this is where, is this what life is? You know, what, what is, what is mm-hmm. going to happen? Um, and so w- I know that, um, so what direction are you currently like here? What are you, what are you thinking of in the current moment? Where, what does the future look like for you and the clothing company? What is your process behind it? Cause I know you said you never thought about letting it go because that's your baby, but you also know that you are growing and shifting and changing and things are evolving and that's okay. So what is the, what is the future hold or what do you, what, obviously you don't know all the things that the future holds, but what direction are you going in now? So um, the next step originally was going to be a rebrand and I was going to rebrand hollow and plank that is still kind of like on the side burner, but we decided to put that off to the side. Mm -hmm. So um, right now I still have my website up and we have, I I have some fabric still at my factory in Miami. So we were like making small batches of like popular pieces. So that's to like move the rest of the inventory. And then um, we did a couple charity events to, and donated some, we did something with the boys and girls club, did an event there and then recently gave some to the Phoenix Children's Hospital. So we've been gifting some of like the prints um, that because a lot of my solids were selling more than the prints. So we've been gifting so that I know it's going to people that will appreciate it and need it. And I'm really big at wanting to give back and do more of that as I grow. Right. So, um, so I started, so I had the podcast, which I started in April, which has been huge for me. Like I am, and my husband and I are actually starting a joint podcast. So um, it'll be by the time I'm sure by the time, cause we're going to be debuting it within the week. So by the time people hear this, like we will, um, our, I'll tell you the name of it because yeah. it'll be out by then, but it's going to be called meet the Gallagher's and, um, Love it. <laughs> yeah. And we are creating basically behind the scenes of our journey because we're both entrepreneurs. So my husband started a wine podcast and he interviews winemakers in Napa Valley. So, and he eventually wants to have his own wine label. So we're kind of bringing us, us together of our behind the scenes and that's how we're going to, we're going to be documenting that because every time we do lives together people like want to see more of that so we're like all right let's start something together with that and then my big thing personally is I am big about conscious consumption and this is how this got to got to fruition through hollow and plank so I started to learn about like different like manufacturing and sweatshops and so forth like my stuff was never made in sweatshops most of my stuff was made in the U.S. I had some made in Honduras but half the process was done in Miami half was done in Honduras and I saw like 
the factory on their live video cameras. So like I knew it was the people were taking care of, but I started to do some research about like um, conscious consumption and like the fashion world and how, I don't know if you know this, a lot of people don't, and this is what I'm bringing awareness to is that 86 billion pounds of clothes on average end up in landfills each year and it's growing every year. Wow. And yeah, and about 99% of those clothes are not recyclable and they are made of synthetic blends that'll sit in, in landfills for over 200 years. And so that is really big for me. And every time I talk about it, I kind of get chills. And that's how I know, like, this is what I'm supposed to do. And so I want to make an impact and make a change. In the, and as you know, like conscious consumption is starting to really come to fruition for people. So I want to connect conscious consumers to conscious brands. So I'm in the beginning stages, but eventually we're working on um, a platform to be able to do that all in one place. But right now I'm connecting with other conscious brands. And this is something that's kind of launching in, in the beginning of 2019, where I um, have a couple brands, you know, lined up right now where basically I'll be making a video of what they have the product that they have and everything has to be something that i personally back up and then i will i'm having a segment on my podcast where i'm bringing their story on with the conscious brands so um this way we're connecting and then also i'm creating a facebook page for all of the conscious brands so that they can collaborate because yes one brand can make a difference but if you have like hundreds of brands that are conscious, you can definitely make a bigger difference. Right. And when I saw these people, like these kids working in factories and sweatshops, children working in sweatshops, people being beaten because they're asking for enough wage to be able to survive. Mm -hmm. And these, these factory workers are just like, their back are up against the wall because of a lot of our country's, um, you know, cost demands. And it's just like, I, it just breaks my heart. Every, I watched this documentary called true cost. And I literally like, on Netflix. You should watch it if you haven't. It's awesome. I haven't. I need to. Yeah, it's awesome. And I literally, it brought me to tears. And so that is, so my goal is to change the way the world views fashion with conscious, with like the fast fashion world and bringing awareness to that portion of it. And then also collectively bringing all these conscious brands together and collectively making an impact. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Oh, so many good things right there. And I love this like new mission that you're on. And I think that definitely you have a platform and something that uh, so many people need to hear and need to be aware of. But I do want to ask, because I know that when you first launched your podcast, that your podcast name was, was, um, a something else before you kind of rebranded into the conscious state of mind. So can you tell me like where you started and your vision for the podcast and how it has changed? Sure. So, um, okay. So the podcast was originally called broke looks good on you. And, um, the quick story behind that is, um, my husband and I, I guess this was almost two years ago or maybe a year and a half, I guess a year and a half ago, we took a vacation. It was for our fifth wedding anniversary. And, um, we were going to, to Napa Valley and this is right before he worked at harvest in Napa Valley. So we had this vacation planned and the year before we had to cancel it. And, um, because he was, a, my husband was a firefighter and he got a different, um, he ended up transferring to a different station and like two weeks before our vacation, we had to cancel it. So we planned it for the next year, two months, two to three months before that vacation a year and a half ago, he got laid off. He, he got, he got let go. There's a whole story behind it. But, um, so basically what happened was we started to fall behind on our bills and we really had no business going on this vacation. However, we hadn't been on a vacation in five years since our honeymoon. Okay. So we've been like grinding it out. And so right. we were ready for a vacation together. We had already bought the plane ticket with our points like sky miles. We right. had 
uh, we had gotten money back from taxes. And so we used that to buy the, um, get pay for the hotel. We actually got an Airbnb at like a, um, at like a vacation rental place. And so we had all that taken care of, but that was it. So we go there with literally like $200 to our name for a week in Napa Valley, which is not the smartest. (laughs) And we just, you know, we had money for a rental car and that was it. Like, it was just like, it was basically at a point where we're sitting in our room, like in our hotel room, we're like, what have we ended up having, we had a kitchen there. We're eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches saying, what the hell are we doing in Napa Valley right now? Like we should turn around and go home. I had sold a Louis Vuitton purse that I had bought and saved up for to pay a girl, a friend of mine to um, watch our dogs and take over, watch, fulfill orders while we were gone. Cause we were going to be gone for like nine days. And we did all this and I'm like, like, what are we doing? So we ended up listening to this timeshare um, so that we could get a hundred dollars. <laughs> So we could go to like a nice dinner. We're like, we're going to use, or we're going to go to like, we were going to go to this winery that we had the wine at our wedding. And so we go to listen to the timeshare and we get the gift card and we go to the place and we don't have, and it, and it doesn't accept it. And we're like, are you serious? So thankfully we did have a little, like I told you had a little money, but like, I think we were maybe down to like 150 maybe by then. So we had to, and this, this tasting was like $80. So we had to use like half our money. So we go back and we tell them and they give us like a pamphlet to, they give us another gift card and the pamphlet to go to like 10 wineries for free. Oh, it was like the biggest blessing. And so we ended up going to all these wineries. There were all these tastings and having a great time. And at one point, a friend of my aunt's ended up also getting us into Opus One. Have you heard of Opus One? I have not. Okay, so they're one of the most prestigious like wineries in Napa Valley. Their tastings are like $100 a person and we got in for free. So I'm sitting in front of, um, I'm standing in front, and this was the original cover for my podcast, standing in front like with my arms open like a sundress like in front of Opus One and I'm taking a picture and I said, man, I'm, look, I'm making Brooke look good on me. <laughs> and that is how it started. I was like, people, if people only knew, we're drinking this, you know, couple hundred dollar bottle of wine and eating PBJs in our hotel room. Like, yeah. what is my life going to right now? <laughs> and so I didn't know at the time I was going to turn that into a podcast. I thought I was going to turn it into a blog. And then when I fell in love with the world of podcasting, that's how it started. So the vision for it was to show how to fake it till you make it and make broke look good on you in the process and basically show the ins and outs of like building building yourself up as you're going and like the raw story and sharing other people's raw stories. Mm-hmm. As I have evolved, I wanted to be able to open the platform to bringing on more guests and just, and with the conscious consumption, I said, I started to feel a shift. And I said, first off, you know, I may have said broke look good on me there, but broke does not look good on me. I do not want that word in my vocabulary <laughs> anymore. Right. And so when I started to feel the shift, I didn't put a big emphasis on like changing the name right away. And that's big. I think a lot of people, when you're evolving, you're not sure like, you know, I need to do it right now kind of thing. And that's usually how I am. But for this, I kind of just let it happen naturally. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm going to think of the name. And when I do, I'll change the name. And so I was literally reading a book and it just popped in my head like subconsciously just popped in my head. I wrote it down, asked a couple of people what they thought, changed it around a couple of variations. And I was like, no, this is it. And that's how it kind of changed. And then I told people, you know, it's the same. We're still bringing on entrepreneurs from all different walks of life. It's just, you know, the focus now I'm also adding the conscious portion of it too. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love how, and I think that 
there's nothing wrong with changing and growing and changing and shifting, evolving your podcast or whatever project you're working on as you grow, it grows too. So mm-hmm. it makes total sense, but I love the story behind it. That was the best story. I oh, makes it's the best. I love it so much. Thanks. So um, thank you, first of all, for being here and sharing your story and being so open and, and letting the listeners know that sometimes entrepreneurship is not rainbows and unicorns and butterflies and it's not always peachy and sometimes it's hard freaking work and sometimes Mm -hmm. you fall flat on your face and sometimes and then you get back up and you keep going and you figure things out and that's a part of the journey and I love that you just are so open about it and you're open about the good things that have happened the bad things that have happened the things that you did not expect to happen and I think that that is so powerful for everyone to hear that it's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be, um, it's not always just going to be just effortless. Sometimes it's going to be, sometimes it's going to be perfect. And sometimes it's going to go just the way you want it to do too, but sometimes it's not. And mm-hmm. in those moments is when we have to figure out, you know, what are we going to do? What are we made of? How are we going to move forward? Exactly. So thank you for being on here and, and sharing all of this with us. I think it's very, very powerful for the listeners to hear. But I do want to um, kind of wrap up the podcast with three random questions. And so the okay. first question is, what is your favorite word? Favorite word? Um, hmm. Persistence. Yeah. And I think your story shows persistence for sure. (laughs) You're like the definition of persistence. Um, That is such a good word. And second question is, what is your favorite sound? Hmm. I think sometimes quiet because I, I'm extrovert and also a little bit introvert. So I will talk to anybody, but I also like my alone time. Mm Mm-hmm. So I was like recently on a trip with my sister and it was like, she's like social butterfly and I'm cool with that. But there's times where I was like, I just need quiet, please. Yeah. Like I just need quiet. Yeah. And, I, and I, I enjoy my quiet time too, as much as I enjoy being around people. So no, I agree 100%. I'm an extrovert. I love to be around people. I love the energy of people, but there are, there is a time where I'm just like, I need silence and I am a teacher full time. So when you're mm-hmm. with children all day, Sometimes I just want to be in complete silence. So a lot of times that's what I do on my way home in my car. I'm just like silent, me, just no words, no sounds, just silence. So I totally understand. And the last question is room or bedroom, car or desk. What do you clean first? Hmm. Um, I would say desk because if you can't like, if I, if it's not like, um, organized, it's hard to focus. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Although we're kind of, my husband and I are kind of like neat freaks. So I can't like, I have to have, like we just recently moved and we had, we're waiting on this dresser to come and it's driving me crazy because some of my clothes are on the floor and I'm like, ah, so it's coming like in a those. couple of days. Yes. <laughs> That's hilarious. Okay. So thank you again for being on here. And for yeah, those for that are listening, how can they find you and get connected with you and getting your energy? Sure. So um, I'm on Instagram and Facebook, but I mostly hang out on Instagram. They're both at the Jen Gallagher. And then my podcast is called the conscious state of mind podcast. It's on iTunes, Google play, Stitcher and Spotify. And then the new podcast will be um, up by the time they hear this. So it's called meet the Gallagher's and it's going to be on all the platforms as well. Yay. So awesome. I cannot wait to listen to the new podcast. It's going to be so fun. And I don't know if you have ever watched shameless 
I get that all the time. I get get that all the time because the Gallagher's, I'm like, yes, like that show you have, I mean, it's obvious. We haven't watched it, but everybody tells us that. You have to, it's a binge watching good. I mean, there's, I don't know how many episodes on net. I mean, how many seasons on Netflix now, but I love that show. It is so crazy. So raunchy, but it's so good. Like (laughs) the Gallagher's are the, like, it, definitely y'all aren't the Gallagher's when you go watch this, you're not them, but you, <laughs> just when you say, when I hear the, the name Gallagher, that's where my head goes. So. That's funny. You're, yeah. We get that a lot. They're like the Gallagher's, the Gallagher's. So I have yeah. to watch it. Yes, you do. So thank you again for being here. Thank I love having, having you on here and for everyone listening, I will see you in the next episode. Hey.